1: high adventure.
0: You are in a farmhouse on the southern coast of England. The autumn countryside around you, desolate and bleak. And you know that in the dusk outside waiting patiently for you, silently watching
1: for you, is an enemy from whom there may be no escape. Listen now as Escape brings you Daphne DeMarie's story, The Birds. <coughs>
2: On December the third, the wind changed overnight, and it was winter. Until then, the autumn had been mellow, soft. The earth was rich where the plow had turned it. I didn't do the plowing. No, my wartime disability had seen to that. They gave me mostly the lighter repair jobs to do in the three days a week that I worked at the farm, a bank to build up or a gate to mend at the far end of the peninsula where the sea surrounded the farmland on either side. Deborah and I had taken a cottage up here to try again, for the sake of the children. And it seemed to be working fairly well. I enjoyed my work on the farm, and it was pleasant to pause at midday to eat the lunch that Debbie prepared and brought to me. We'd sit there on the cliff while I ate, and we'd watch the birds.
3: So many of them, Matt!
2: Well, yes. The autumn's better than spring for watching them.
3: Oh?
2: Why? Oh, well, in the spring, they're content. They're full of purpose. They know where they're going. There's no delay. But then in autumn, it's different. The birds that don't migrate seem to follow a pattern of their own.
3: Hmm. Pattern?
2: Hmm. Great flocks of them here on the peninsula. Restless, uneasy, wheeling, circling. Coming to rest and then flying again. The land birds and the gulls down there in the bay. Some sort of rhythm in their movements.
3: They don't really go anywhere. Doesn't seem to be any purpose to it.
2: No. Well, if there is, we don't see it. There's a restlessness. They're more restless this year than usual, it seems to me. Do you know? This morning two gulls flew so close they knocked off my cap.
3: (laughs) Jill said yesterday when the school bus left her off there was quite a few of them overhead, as if they'd been following.
2: Oh well, I suppose it means a hard winter. They always seem to know. Perhaps a message comes to them in autumn, a warning.
3: About winter?
2: And about death. Nat. Many of them will die, and I think they know it. Perhaps they feel they have to spill their motion out before they die. Like people who know their time is up and run about stupidly, driving themselves.
3: I wish you wouldn't talk like that, Nat. That, That black side of you that stirred up the trouble between us before.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, Debbie, but it comes over me lately as I've watched them. The land birds mingling with the sea birds in a sort of strange, unnatural partnership land and sea life and death. At night, It turned colder and the wind strengthened. Around two in the morning, the sound of it beating against the house woke me up. I lay there with the slow, even breathing of Debbie beside me. And I thought of Jill and Johnny in the room across the hall. We seemed safe, secure. And then I heard it, a tapping on the window. At first I thought it was a loose shutter and then I realized it wasn't. I got out of bed, went to the window, opened it. Suddenly, something brushed against my hand. Gah! Jabbed at my knuckles, and then was gone over the roof and behind the cottage. Gah! <sighs>
3: mm. Not what?
2: It's alright, Debbie. It was a bird. I don't know what kind. Bird. Must have driven it against the windowsill. My hands wet with... it's blood! Hmm? The little beggar drew blood!
3: Go to sleep,
2: Nat. Must have been frightened and stabbed at me in the dark. Oh, for the...
3: Nat, the window. See to it. It's rats. I've already
2: seen it. It's some bird trying to get in.
3: Send them away. I can't sleep with
2: that noise. All right, all right. Go on. Off with you. Why, you little. Stay away from my fence. Get out. Get away. Yeah. Whatever in the world. Did you see that? There were half a dozen this time. They. What? they went for me. Tried to peck my eyes. Oh. Nuts! I'm not making it up, dear. <laughs> what?
3: Why, it's Jill. Go see, what's the matter?
2: Right. Mommy! Okay. Coming, Jill.
3: They came flying at
2: me. Where's Johnny?
3: you're the blanket. What is it? What's the matter?
2: Quick, get the children out of here. Birds? Yes.
3: The room's full of birds. In my face. Get
2: the children out of here and shut the door, quick. I pushed them out of the room, and then I was alone with the birds. I seized a blanket and I used it as a weapon, sweeping it right and left. I could hear the thud of bodies, but they kept coming at me, jabbing at my hands, my head, trying for my eyes, beaks as sharp as pointed forks. I wrapped the blanket around my head, beat about with my bare hands, blindingly. I don't know how long I fought them. Finally, the beating of wings lessened, and Then, was still. I unwrapped the blanket from my face. The cold, gray dawn had seeped into the room. The floor was littered with the tiny corpses of the birds. Robins, finches, sparrows, larks. Some had lost feathers in the fight. Others had blood. My blood on their beaks. It sickened, I went to the window. The fierce sea broke harshly in the day. There was not a bird in sight. Not a sparrow chattered in the hedge. No early thrush or black bird peeked on the grass for worms. There was no sound at all but the east wind and the sea.
3: That.
2: I'm all right, Debbie.
3: I didn't know (gasps) what- You're covered with blood!
2: Some of it's the birds. Look on the floor!
3: Oh! There's so many of them!
2: Yeah. Fifty. I counted them.
3: It's horrible!
2: Come, my darling. I'll clean the room later, when I have more stomach for it
3: must have been ghastly for you
2: are the children all right
3: yes i've put jill to work making tea johnny's in our bed just now asleep that why
2: the birds well it must be the weather (laughs) the sudden change confused them It, it has to be that
3: he's ready mommy oh good did you drive away the birds?
2: Yes. They're all gone now, Jill.
3: I hope they won't come again. Perhaps if we put breadcrumbs for them outside the window, they'll eat that and fly away. Perhaps, dear. I've already had breakfast. i better hurry or I'll be late
2: for the school bus. Bus? Oh, ah. Uh... I'll walk with you to the road, Jill.
3: Yes, I think that would be a good idea. I'll go get my count and books.
2: I didn't want her to walk alone.
3: Not. They, they wouldn't come back again.
2: Well, I, I'll go to the farm and find out if they heard anything during the night. You keep all the windows and doors closed, Debbie. Just be on the safe side, hmm? Mm. Hello? Anyone about? Hello, Mr. Hawkins. Oh. Is the Mr. around? Mrs. Trigg? Ah,
3: somewhere's about. But can you tell me where this cold is coming from, Russia? I've never seen such a change, and it's going on, the wireless says. Something to do with the Arctic
2: Circle. Ah. We didn't turn on the wireless this morning. Fact is, we had trouble in the night. Oh, kiddies, poor eh? No, not exactly. No, we, we had some trouble with the birds. I, uh, why? It sounds absurd, but they flew in the window and attacked us. Attacked, yeah. No, Mr. Hawkins. <laughs> no, I'm not making it up, Mrs. Trigg. There are 50 dead birds on the floor of the children's bedroom. Boring birds? No, no, the kind you see about here every day.
3: Really? Well, you walked right up and asked the Manchester
2: Guardian. They'd
3: never thought about it. Hey,
2: morning, Hawkins. Hello, Mr. Trigg.
3: Mr. Hawkins been telling about some birds last night. Oh? He says they attacked.
0: Him. Attacked?
3: Hmm.
0: Are you sure? Quite. <laughs> Never heard of a thing like that before. Hungry, maybe, looking for food. Mm. You put out some crumbs. Yes, of course.
2: I'll be up tomorrow as usual. Good morning. Mm. Ordinary birds, he says.
0: Attacked him. Now, what does he take us for, coming around here with a story like that? A strange one he is, with those superior airs. Did you see the look he gave us when we did swallow his story? Attacked him. I think he reads too many of those books. <laughs>
3: Did you find out anything at the farm?
2: No. The Triggs' brilliant advice was to put out some crumbs. Debbie, I looked all around this morning. There's not a single bird in sight outdoors.
3: Where could they have gone? I don't know. The Triggs had no trouble last night?
2: Not only that, they clearly thought I was imagining it. Oh, I heard Trigg mutter something about my superior airs and reading too many books as I walked away. Nothing's real to those clods until it hits them over the head.
3: Well, they're nice enough people, Matt. It's just that they're isolated up here.
2: Well, that's certainly the polite word for it.
3: I haven't been able to face going into the children's room. Those birds.
2: Oh, yes. I'll go clean it up. Well, I suppose the least I can do is give the little beggars a decent burial. I dropped the dead birds into a sack, went down to the beach to bury them. The wind was bitter cold. I dug a pit in the sand with my heel and started to empty the sack into it, but the wind caught the birds and whirled them along the shore. There was something ugly in the sight but the tide would take them when it turned. I looked out at the crestbreakers, and then I saw them. The gulls, out there, riding the sea. Thousands, tens of thousands. They rose and fell in the trough of the sea, like a mighty fleet at anchor, waiting for the turn of the tide waiting. They stretched as far as my eyes could reach. They covered the sea. I started up the steep path home, almost running. Someone should know of this. Someone should be told, but who? And then, as I opened the front door, I saw Debbie beside the wireless, listening.
0: Destruction, damage, and even attacking individuals. It is thought that the arctic airstream is causing the birds to migrate south in immense numbers, and that intense hunger may drive them to attack human beings. Householders are warned to see to their windows, doors, and chimneys, and take all precautions for the safety of their children. Further bulletins will be issued later.
3: They've been repeating it every few minutes since you left.
2: Well, perhaps now those empty-headed idiots at the farm will know that I was... Pat!
3: You sound almost glad.
2: Oh, don't talk rot, Debbie. It's just that when people with half a brain try to tell me that I... Don't
3: that superior attitude of yours, even now... Don't
2: use that word superior with me. I'm sick of it. So
3: am I, Nat, so am I, you... Oh, I... I'm sorry, dear. This thing has made me a little... nervy, I guess.
2: Yes, I... I'm sorry, too, my dear.
3: That. One of the bulletins said the birds seem to be waiting. For what?
2: I don't know. They said the birds are hungry.
3: What are you doing?
2: Getting a hammer. I'm going to get some boards and see to the doors and windows, as they tell you to.
3: Do you think they could break in? With the windows shut, sparrows and robins and such. Why, how could they?
2: I wasn't thinking about the smaller birds. I was thinking about the gulls.
3: The gulls?
2: Debbie, have you ever been close enough to get a good look at a gull's beak? There must be a hundred thousand of them out there, riding the sea. Waiting. The rest of the morning, I worked upstairs boarding the bedroom windows. I wondered whether they'd take these precautions up at the farm. I doubted it. Probably a big joke to the Triggs. But according to the wireless, it was no joke. At first, some of the bulletins had been light in tone. But as the morning wore on and the concerns in the announcer's voice became more and more apparent... Well, after I finished upstairs, I took the rest of the lumber down boarded up the lower floor windows.
3: What they ought to do is call the army out and shoot the birds. That would soon scare them off.
2: Debbie, uh, how are we off for food?
3: Now, Nat, whatever next?
2: Well, never mind. What have you got in the larder?
3: Shopping is tomorrow, you know that. I don't keep uncooked food hanging about, it goes off. But I can put some things in Tomorrow?
2: Tomorrow? It's only three in the afternoon, and it's almost dark. What?
3: Why, yes, the sky. It looks so heavy. Nat, what's the matter? You've gone quite white.
2: Look, the tide's turned. The gulls risen, circling over the sea. Not a sound from them. I'm going for Jill. I'll wait for her at the bus stop. You keep Johnny inside and keep the door shut. Outside I looked for a weapon, but a hole was all I could find. Then I went to the top of the hill and waited. The surf was booming below when a smudge rose behind the clay hills in the distance. It widened, divided, and spread north, east, south, west. It was a vast cloud of birds, and it passed close by, heading inland, of country. They had no business with the people here in the peninsula. Rooks, crows, jackdaws, magpies, birds that usually preyed upon the smaller species. But this afternoon, they were bound on some other mission. They'd been given the towns, I thought, They know what they have to do. We don't matter so much here. The goals will serve for us. The others go to the towns. Finally, the bus came. When Jill got off, I took her by the hand.
3: What's the hoe for, Daddy?
2: Oh, I just brought it along. Come along now, darling. Let's go home. It's cold. No hanging about, hmm?
3: I I want to play a bit in the lane.
2: Not tonight. Now, come on. No dawdling.
3: Look, Daddy. Look over there. Look at the gulls. They're flying in from the sea. They're so quiet.
2: Yes. Do hurry, darling.
3: Where are they flying to?
2: Oh, up country, I dare say. Where it's warmer.
3: Don't go so fast. I can't keep up. Hurry. The they're circling. It looks like they're waiting for something.
2: For a signal in the water. What? Nothing. Come on, dear, faster. But I can't go faster. Wait, wait. There's Trigg in his two-seater.
0: Well, looks as though we're in for some fun, Hawkins. Have you heard the news? Everyone's gone bird-crazy, talking of nothing else. I'm gonna take a crack at them with my gun. Could you run Jill home first? Oh, yes, of course. Not room for you too, I'm afraid. That's all right.
2: Just get Jill home. Get in, Jill dear.
0: Would you like to come shooting with me?
2: No, thanks. Have you boarded your windows?
0: (laughs) No. A lot of nonsense. They like to scare you on the wireless. I'd bore them if I were you. Oh, go on, you're winded. Well, see you in the morning. I'll give you a gull breakfast. I watched Trig drive Jill towards the
2: cottage, and then I followed on foot. The sound made me look up. The gulls were approaching. The order had been given, and the farm was their target. The black-backed gulls were leading, and there were bigger birds. Garnets, turns, and suddenly one of them dove at me, missed, rose to dive again. And then came the others, six, seven, a dozen. I dropped the hoe, covered my head with my arms, and ran towards the cottage. They kept coming at me from the air with beating wings. Each stab of a swooping beak tore at my flesh. I had to keep them from my eyes, and with each dive they became bolder and they had no thought for themselves. When they missed, they crashed, bruised and broken on the ground. And as I ran, I stumbled, kicking their spent bodies in front of me. And now their aim got better, closer to my eyes, closer. And then I reached the door of the cottage. Let me in, it's Nat, let me in. And then above me, I saw a gannet poised against the sky for his dive. The gulls drew back, only a huge gannet. The wings folded suddenly to its body, and it dropped like a stone at me. The door opened. I flung myself in. Good lord, what was that? A garnet. He'd have split my skull. Better now? Yes, thanks. You're you're quite the wound dresser. Where are the children?
3: In the other room. I didn't want them to see you that way. No. Your hands are the worst.
2: I'll be alright. We'd better all sleep in the kitchen tonight. I'll bring down the mattresses.
3: Alright. I'll pick up something tasty for supper, and we can prepare some...
2: Wait! Listen!
3: That sound... What is it?
2: The birds. They're crowding against the outside of the house. They're trying to find a way in. Deb? No, Deb. They, they can't get in. I tell you, they cannot get in. The boards will hold. How long? How long? Stop it! Here, I'll turn on the wireless. That'll drown them out. There. There, that's, that's better.
3: Yes. Yes, anything so I can't hear that horrible racket.
2: It's only the food that worries me. Debbie, now I've noticed that the birds come in with the tide, but the tide'll go out about nine tonight and we should have a lull of about six hours. I could slip out during that time and go to the farm, see if they can give us something.
0: This is London. A national emergency was proclaimed at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Mitch? Measures are being taken to safeguard the lives and property of the population. But it must be understood that these are not easy to affect immediately, due to the unforeseen and unparalleled nature of the present crisis. It is absolutely imperative that everyone remain indoors until further noticed. The birds, in vast numbers, are attacking everything in sight population is asked to remain calm and not to panic. There will be no further transmission from any broadcasting station until 7 a.m. tomorrow.
3: Make this all over then. All over.
2: Debbie, about supper, let's... let's forget it. Let's all just try to get some sleep.
3: Dad Wake up Huh? Nat! Huh? They're back again.
2: What? What? What time is it?
3: A little after three.
2: Ah, the tide's come in again.
3: There's been a queer smell for the last few minutes. Rather like burned feathers.
2: What? Burnt feathers? The chimney! I forgot to keep the fire up! They're coming down the chimney! No! Where's the oil? On the shelf! There they are, squeezing through the chimney. Stand back, let me throw the oil on the coal. There, that'll get them. (laughs) That! That! I can't stand it! Get me paper, wood, anything that'll burn. Hurry! Their charred bodies kept dropping down the chimney. I raked them to one side, but more came. I threw on the rest of the oil. We piled papers on it, kindling anything. The flames roared higher, more bodies. The stench was unbearable. I kept at it. Finally, they gave up and I went over to the basin. I was sick. Ah. Around nine in the morning, the rustling ceased. I opened the door crack. Crushed birds were deep about the house, but there was not a living bird in sight. The tide had gone out. Now was my chance to get food and fuel. I ran all the way to the farm. There was no smoke from the chimney. I came around the corner of the house and stopped. In the doorway. Almost covered with dead birds were Mr. and Mrs. Trigg, what was left of them. Beside him was his gun, beside hers, a broken umbrella. I loaded the two-seater with all the food I could find, enough for perhaps three days, and drove back to the cottage. I told Debbie the Triggs didn't need their car for a while and had told me to take it. She said nothing. And toward nightfall, the birds came back again. We sat by the fire and listened to the rustle as they crowded against the house. But this time, there was a new sound. They brought up their heavier forces against us, the birds with larger beaks. I could hear the sound of tiny bits of wood torn away.
3: They'll stay till the tide turns. And they'll leave. Then they'll come back again. And they'll keep coming back. That Yes. The Triggs. They're dead, aren't they? Yes. We're all alone. Strange. We're closer to you than
2: And I've ever That it should take something like this to bring us.. <sighs> Debbie, you, you may be interested to know that right now. I do not feel very superior.
3: Oh, Ned. <laughs> oh, Ned! Ned, what do we do?
2: I don't know, Debbie. I do not <laughs> know. I listen to the sound of the splintery wood and I wondered how many million years of memory was stored in those little brains behind the stabbing beaks, the piercing eyes now giving them this instinct to destroy mankind with all the deft precision of machines I switched on the wireless it was dead I reached for the cigarettes There was only one left in the packet, I lit it, I threw the empty packet on the fire, and watched it burn.
1: direction of mark seven escape has brought you the birds by daphne de especially adapted for radio by robert rife starring justin edenhofer with Schley snyder featured in the cast were matthew j wilkes and linda schneider your announcer michael errington the special music for escape is composed and conducted by leith stevens if you like your thrills to be real or adventure to be true to life, Gangbusters is the show for you. Now, every Monday night, most of these same CBS radio stations bring you the drama that names names, places, and dates in the nation's battle against crime. Stay tuned now for Night Watch, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. the golden age of radio. You're listening to The New Old Time Radio Show. Classic. Contemporary. Fun. You can listen to any one of our many newly recreated vintage radio mysteries by visiting thenewoldtimeradioshow.com. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can be notified of upcoming events and new episodes. Please support future programs by making a donation on anchor.fm slash the new old-time radio show. We appreciate your support.